Don't go around and around and around in circles thinking God really can't do it. Pray and by faith do. And they did. Moses' parents hid him. They knew God had something. They feared God, so did the midwives. They acted based on this faith. Whatever it is you're dealing with, whatever it is you've got going on in your life, I can tell you from experience, I can tell you from what God has done in my life, again, a few years ago, I wasn't standing where I'm standing right now. God told me, I want you to go do something. And I had to struggle with myself back and forth about why I wanted to tell God I can't do it or why He can't promise on it, why He can't make it happen, all those excuses, and it finally boiled down to one thing. Just get up and go do it. Act on faith. Apply that to whatever you're dealing with. God can do it. Don't pray like, well, I hope He can. We have changed the definition of hope. Hope means we're sure. Not, well, I hope it doesn't rain today. Hope is we're sure. Pray with the hope of Jesus Christ. Act on faith. And they did that here. As when they hit him, they knew God would take care of it. I want to show you something from Acts 7 and verse 17. As the time drew near for God to fulfill his promise to Abraham, the number of our people in Egypt had greatly increased. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. He dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our ancestors by forcing them to throw out their newborn babies so that they would die. At that time, Moses was born, and he was no ordinary child. For three months, he was cared for by his family. When he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. Who but God could pull something like that off? And it was all because the parents had faith that God had some kind of answer to their problem. Again, with whatever your issue is, your problem, your things that you're trying to do, or the calling God has on your life, don't sit there thinking, well, I don't know if God can really do it. What if I fail? What if this? What if that? God has called you. Get up and go by faith and go do it. That's what we need more of in this country, to lead people, to show people that we really believe in this Jesus that we call our Lord, right? So we see in Exodus 2.4, Moses' sister stood afar off as he was being placed in the river to know what would happen to him. Now, I believe this was pre-planned by Moses' mother because she wanted to see to it that he was safe and taken care of. What mother could honestly put her child in the river and walk away and not have no way of knowing what happened? She said, Sister, I need you to walk from way over here and watch what's going down. Wanted to see that he was safe. And so this is why we now see Moses' sister inquiring of him here now in verse 7. Because she's following up, trying to find out, to see to it he's been taken care of without letting it be known that this was her brother she was asking about. Pretty sneaky. Exodus 2 and 7. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him, and the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water. Look at what God did here. The child is right back with his own mother, and she's getting paid to take care of him. I read things like this, and my head just spins. I mean, if you can't see that God's capable... And he's awesome. You just read it twice is all I can say, right? God is clearly seen in here his ability to provide in how Moses was now restored back to his parents. Now they're together and they're making money off it. 
Moses' daughter finds him in the river, finds compassion. So right at that moment, here comes Sister Miriam at that time asking to get a nurse for him. Hey, you need a nurse? I know somebody that can probably do it. <laughs> legally, legally, even under Pharaoh's decree to kill him, they're legally reunited together. Despite Pharaoh's command that all the children should be drowned. When you think about it, Moses actually really was put into the Nile, wasn't he? He said, put him in the Nile. She put him in the Nile. (laughs) This brings me to something, uh, a little side note here, something called Operation Moses. We work with what's called, I can't get my guttural. I'm just going to say Biad Kayim. There's a guttural thing in there. It comes from getting a dry throat. It's called Biad Kayim from... Uh, Blessing Israeli Believers works with Biad Kaim. Uh, Blessing Israeli Believers supports Biad Kaim's Operation Moses. Exodus 2 is how they came up with this name. Pharaoh's daughter is taking the financial responsibility of Moses while his mother takes care of him. Operation Moses pays for each child's needs. What it is is when Israeli people... Uh, in Israel determined that they need to have an abortion because the cost of living is so high over there. They think they can't do it, so they think about having an abortion. Operation Moses steps in and pays for everything of their child's needs for the first year, including furniture, clothes, and formula. And this is oftentimes the push that the mom needs to keep the child. And so being unable to afford a child should never be a reason for an abortion should never be a reason. So that's what Operation Moses is. Give them everything they need for a year, and it came out of Exodus 2. And do you have any idea how many children right now? That over, well over 1,000 since uh, when? 2006, 1,000. And, and this, is, this is Israeli uh, Jewish uh, children. And it doesn't matter if they're a believer or not, we, regardless. And so we're helping. We're helping to bless Israel. What does it say? If you bless Israel, I'll bless you. If you curse Israel, I curse you. So I just wanted to say that since we're in Exodus 2, that was what Operation Moses came from. We're paying them to take care of the child. Isn't that neat? Just like Moses' mother, she's being paid to take care of her own child. Isn't that cool? We as a body of believers, we all need to act under guidance of righteousness, being those who fear God. Because if we, if we do, then the Lord can accomplish great works among us. As we all walk towards the same vision, the vision that Jesus Lord is and who He says He is, and He is the one that we ought to serve. And so we see this, this story playing out with Moses and his, his um, parents. They got up and they went by faith. They did what they had to do, and it now circled right back as a blessing to them. You want to be blessed by God? Number one, obey God. By faith. By faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So by faith they enacted this. Exodus 2 and 11. Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way. And when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to the one who did the wrong, Why are you striking your companion? Then he said, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. I have a personal story about this passage of Scripture here in Exodus 2.11. Long time ago, very young, I wasn't saved. I was doing my own thing. 
As a matter of fact, when you do your own thing, you get into bad things. I was in some bad things. What was it, Ray? I'm not going to tell you. It was just some bad things that I should not have been in. And this is a true story. A lot of people don't believe this happens, but I'm just telling you my story. In the middle of the night, way in the middle of the night, I heard, get out of bed and read Exodus 2.11. That's all I heard. I didn't know the first thing about nothing. I knew that David hit Goliath with a rock, Noah floated on a boat, and Jesus died on a cross. That's about all I knew about anything of the Bible. And I heard, get up and read Exodus 2.11. And I thought, I'm going back to bed. And I laid down and I thought, what if that was God? And you don't get up and read, and then you're in trouble. <laughs> so I thought, I better get up and do this. So not knowing, the first thing, I thought, well, if I read it, it's no big deal, then no big deal. At least I say, I read it, and I can go right back to bed, right? No big deal. So I got up, and I read it, and I read this here. Moses killed a guy, hit him in the sand. It says he looked this way and that. Oh, nobody sees what I'm doing. Okay, and he killed him. Well, the next day, he saw a scuffle going on. He goes, hey, stop that. What are you going to do, kill us like you did the other guy? And then that's when I realized God was trying to tell me that stuff that you're doing that you need to be out of, if you don't stop it, somebody's going to know. And that scared me so bad, I stopped what I was doing. Now, this was even long before I got saved and really came to real repentance. He scared me with this verse. You're going to get caught. I don't care how secret you think it is. Somebody's going to know. Luke 8, 17 says, For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. That stuff you're doing or have done, or for some of you maybe, that you're doing, that you swear nobody can know about, God has a way of bringing it out. And if it gets exposed before you repent of it, it ain't going to feel good because everybody's going to discover it and that you didn't repent. However, you can repent and say, God, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. And you can have an opportunity to make right on that thing and make well with it and be healed and restored. But for those that won't repent, for those that say, nobody's going to find out, I'm just going to keep doing my way, it's going to come out and it's going to hurt. There's a song that, that talks about, He gently brought me to my knees. I don't know who wrote that. Mine wasn't gentle at all. Mine hurt. And I can save you from a lot of mess right now for whatever it is that you're doing that you know you need to repent of, but you think you're safe. I'm telling you, it's best to go ahead and repent of it right now. Don't wait. It ain't going to get better. It's going to get worse. Repent. Make right with the Lord today. And so we're now 40 years after where we just were. The year is about 1485 B.C. Moses is highly educated. He probably spoke fluently in both Egyptian and Hebrew, and he protected one of his Hebrew brethren by killing an Egyptian and burying his body in the sand. Moses thought that in protecting his fellow Israelite that the Hebrew people would realize he was their deliverer. It's like, hey, they're going to think I'm the deliverer that they've been waiting for. If I kill this guy, he had some kind of thing on it. And I want to show you uh, that as we can see in, in Acts 7.23. Because when I first thought about this, I thought, no, that couldn't be it. But I found it in Acts 7. When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian, so he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. There it is. 
So when Moses discovered that someone else knew about him killing the Egyptian, he was afraid that word of this murder would get to Pharaoh. See, something that happened here is Moses acted a little prematurely, didn't he? He acted ahead of God's timing. I know people that say they're called to ministry and they're trying to jump in it before God called them. They have this tremendous desire to do it, but they haven't been through the furnace yet. They haven't been refined. They hadn't gotten rid of the impurities yet. Moses acted a little ahead of time. Exodus 2 and 15. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water, and they filled the troughs to water their father's flock. Then the shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. When they came to rule their father, he said, How is it that you have come so soon today? And they said, An Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds, and he also drew enough water for us and watered the flock. So he said to his daughters, And where is he? Why is it that you have left the man? Call him, that he may eat bread. Then Moses was content to live with the man, and he gave Zipporah, his daughter, to Moses, and she bore him a son. He called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. Dad's like, how'd you get back so quick? Apparently they always had trouble at the water and hole because these other shepherds are like, no, this is ours. Moses helped them. Pharaoh heard of the murder and he's mad. He tries to kill Moses. He flees to Midian. One day he meets these girls at the well where he defends them from shepherds who thought that water hole belonged to them. What we see here is an incident where Moses has a desire to deliver people from harm. Like these girls. It's a foreshadow. I have this thing in me. I want to deliver people from harm. And that's what he's doing. This is a character trait that's built into Moses that's going to be used by God so that he can deliver the Israelites out of Egypt. So we can see this and now anticipate his role as Israel's deliverer. That's what's neat about it. So now Moses' heroism for these girls, it's brought to their father to invite Moses to have dinner. He says, bring him so he could eat bread. Come over and have some supper with us. And we can see that the girls called Moses an Egyptian, this Egyptian that helped us. And it could be because of how Moses was dressed. He might have had Egyptian dress on. Moses marries Rule's daughter Zipporah, which means little bird. And they had a son that they named Gershom. And Gershom means expulsion, or it means resident alien. Now, the name Gershom might be related to the fact that it means to drive out or banish. He was a child of Moses' banishment. Moses took off. He's now in a foreign land, and so he named his son that because that's the setting with where he had him. He was a child of Moses' banishment while Moses was an alien in a foreign land. And so for 40 years, Moses undertook the hard life of a shepherd in the Sinai area which helped him gain gain a lot of valuable knowledge about how to live in the wilderness. So he's learning how to live in the wilderness now, which is going to be helpful later as he leads the Israelites in the wilderness. And so you can see now God is preparing Moses for what's coming later. Moses is being refined. You know, if you find yourself in a tough situation, don't get hung up on the fact that you don't want to be in that situation. Oh, I'm in this situation. What do I do? This is so terrible. Oh, gosh, I just went out of it. And all we can do is carry on and on and on and on about how we went out of this bad situation. 
God might have you where you are to prepare you for something better later. God might be preparing you for something better later. It's kind of like when an athlete, he trains with a lot of intensity before he gets to the actual event itself because he's got to be conditioned for leadership and strength first. Same with Moses here. He's learning how to live in the wilderness and the same goes with us. What that situation is that you're going through, however hard it is, don't get caught up in the I want out of this moment. God will do it when it's time. Be obedient to that. He's building you up for something. Verse 23. Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage and they cried out and their cry came to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning and God remembered His covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God acknowledged them. So hearing their anguish, God thought of His covenant promise to Abraham as we read in Genesis 12 to make Him into a great nation. In our Bible study, we talked about God has to keep His promises or He's not God. He promised Abraham something. He's he's got to keep His promises. People say there's nothing God can't do. They said there's absolutely nothing God can't do. I can list you some things that God can't do. God cannot lie. God can't sin. And God can't break a promise. When God says, declare Jesus your Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That's a promise of God. So if you believe that, He's got to adhere to His promise to save you. So God had compassion on the Israelites. He looked on them and was concerned about them and decided to intervene. Now verses 24 through 25, that's the major hinge of this story. It's the turning point. So far we have read about oppression, we've read about hardship, and we've read about slavery and even death. But now, from here, deliverance and triumph is going to be the dominating theme. Now we hit a switch. We hit a switch. God in His sovereign power is now ready to act in accord with His promises to deliver and preserve His people. And now I'm going to close. Like the Israelites, just like them, we are foreigners in a land that's not ours. This earth out here, this ain't my home. I'm not staying here. The other day, we were getting ready to leave, and we said, well, we'll see you tomorrow. And somebody said, not unless Jesus comes back. And I said, well, if Jesus comes back, I hope I see you tomorrow. (laughs) You you plan on going, right? So it was just kind of a little something funny there. But this isn't home. We're going to leave. We're going away. And we are under oppression. We're under oppression. All of us. We're under the oppression of sin. And the oppression of the influence of the world. The world is designed in such a way to get you to do anything but what God says. And if you listen to it just this much, there you go. You're gone. And it's sometimes hard to turn and come back. But stay on. Stay on the narrow. You may go off a little bit. Come right back. Come back. Stay in line. Repent. Don't do your own thing. The further off you get, the harder it is sometimes to come back. It depends. God can do it all. God gave us a deliverer just like He's making out of Moses to, to deliver the people out of Egypt, out of the land of oppression, to a promised land. And we have our own Deliverer. Our own Deliverer whose name is Jesus Christ who's going to deliver us out of here to our promised land in eternal life. So again, as we, as we go through this story, I want to keep reminding you of the parallels of what's going on with this Deliverer Moses to get them out. 
and our deliverer, Jesus Christ, who's going to pull us out of here, who has already offered deliver me. And I've repented. I'm His. I have His mark and His seal of salvation of the Holy Spirit. It's coming any time. It's coming any time. You realize we could not get home tonight and He could come pull us back? Watch, therefore, you don't know what hour your Lord's coming. It could be tonight. Well, I'll repent later. Hey, it could happen tonight. Any time. If we put off repentance another day, we have a day more to repent of and a day less to repent in. Father God, I thank You, Lord, for this story tonight, Lord God. Lord, those of us, and Lord, it starts with me. Lord, I don't want anybody here thinking that I'm sitting out here in this chair and I'm the worst one of them all and I'm the one that he's talking about and I'm the one he's looking at and I'm the one they're pointing at and I'm the one this and I... No, Lord God, it starts with me. I have to walk in repentance and bear fruit worthy of repentance and stop doing that stuff you don't want me to do and walk in your ways. And Lord, for anyone else that's here tonight who's dealing with the same issues, Lord, bless them and show them, guide them in repentance. Lord, they're not, it's not me pointing at them, it's me pointing at me and asking them to come with me. Lord, whoever's dealing with a struggle tonight, Lord, have them come with me. Please, come and follow Jesus. It's easier. Lord, whoever is dealing with a tough situation, show them it's not too late. You can turn around and come to Jesus now and it's going to be fine. We'll take care of you. Jesus is Lord. He's overcome everything in the world. To get under Jesus Christ is to get protected. Thanks for listening today. And please join me every day, Monday through Friday, unless our Lord Jesus returns for us this week. This program is listener supported and depends on tax-deductible donations to stay on the air. Give to Watch Therefore and contact me through our website at watchtherefore.tv. You can also send tax-deductible donations.